today on Ag News Daily. And so we created three different ways of being able to uh, to help farmers in a short-term effort through this through this challenging time. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Today it is July 26th. My name is Hannah Pagel, bringing you the Ag News Daily podcast with my co-host Mike Pearson. Mike. How is this Thursday doing for you? You know, Hannah, it's not too shabby. I do have a dead tractor update for you. Oh, well, you know, I was first off going to say it is great to hear your voice. You know, <laughs> we we got you on the podcast. So thank you for not letting me do it by myself. I appreciate yes, that. I did not get electrocuted. I took your advice, went and talked to a friend of mine who I figured would have a generator. And he did. And it was out of fuel. And... I'm sure a lot of our listeners in in rural areas can relate to this, maybe some of our urban listeners as well. When you start talking to somebody, a lot of times projects take longer than perhaps you'd anticipate it. Have you ever run into this? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yes. And so anyway, we uh, we got the went in town, got some fuel for the generators, tried to test start it, turned it out. Maybe the carburetor was bad. So we ended up taking the carburetor apart. And long story short, uh, went through most of the day yesterday. As of now, I still have a dead tractor in the farthest away machine shed. Okay. Well, you know what? You tried, and today's a new day to try something new. There we go. I like the positive attitude, Hannah. I am, I am trying to be as positive as I can be. I like to live by positivity, Mike. Well, perfect. Do you have any positive news for us in the world of agriculture today? You know what? I do, as a matter of fact. So President Donald Trump and the European Commissioner President Jean-Claude Juncker uh, agreed to new talks today uh, to end their trade war that would somehow result in Europeans buying more U.S. soybeans. Yes, I President Trump made an announcement on Twitter this morning that said the Europeans have agreed to step in and start buying soybeans right away, which, you know, that's good news. It's a smaller market than China, but it's something. And I think this was pretty cool. Um, Larry Kudlow, who was the economic advisor to President Trump, came out and said the U.S. and the EU are going to be allied in the fight against China and this is a turnaround from two or three weeks ago when China was trying to get the EU to be its ally against the U.S. So it looks like we've come out on top of that, and uh, perhaps that will help us end this trade war. Hmm. Yeah, it's always interesting. I feel like it's like we're in kindergarten at recess time being like, be my, be my friend, be on my team. <laughs> like, no, oh, I'm going to go, like, you know, be on the other team, or I'm going to be a spy for the other. I Oh, well, you know what? As long as they're like, you know, on our side, I guess, that's all good. That's right. The note that was passed to them during a math class, they checked yes on the box <laughs> to be our, our BFF, which is pretty exciting. That is pretty exciting. That kind of t- ties right into a piece of news I had, Hannah, since we're talking China. There was a defense bill in the House of Representatives that was passed today, and it's a $716 billion defense spending bill, but it goes beyond just buying planes and tanks. It also includes a portion that is designed to rein in Chinese investments in the U.S. and 
protect the government from using technology from different Chinese companies. And it's called the John McCain National Defense Authorization Act. And it was approved by the Senate by a margin of 359 to 54. And this is where we're cracking down again on that ZTE Corp, that Chinese cell phone company that was doing business with North Korea, that President Trump has excused in order to make the Chinese happy. And that was a month and a half ago, two months ago. Now we're not happy with China. And so we're cracking back down on them again. So another vote to, you know, maybe keep this trade war thing going longer than anticipated. So uh, say that it was a John McCain, what type of bill was passed? It was. It is called the John S. McCain National Defense Authorization Act. So basically they're authorizing money to be spent towards the U.S. defense. Okay. And it's mainly just targeting Chinese investments within the United States. Is that is that what I'm getting? Well, it has a whole bunch of stuff, you know, for buying planes and tanks and ships and all that. But it also has this segment that's designed specifically to uh, put sanctions on that ZTE corporation, which was one of the big things that kind of kicked off this trade war, you know, two, three months ago. Okay. I gotcha. I'm following Yeah. You. So interesting, interesting news. It is interesting news. Well, speaking of interesting news, uh, my next piece for you is the Trump administration is resisting the World Health Organization's effort to limit antibiotic use in farm animals. So essentially, the USDA is, you know, just kind of calling out the World Health Organization for not looking at antibiotic use in farm animals in a scientific way. And so the, it looks like the World Health Organization is trying to create this proposal to limit the amount of antibiotics used. And it looks like the USDA is kind of calling them out and being like, you know what, if you're doing this, we're going to try doing something different. So what are your thoughts on that, Mike? You know, I, I'm going to side with the USDA here. And a little bit later in the episode, folks, we're going to be talking to USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey about the $12 billion aid package. But on this instance, you know, when it comes to the science of animal welfare, I think those of us here in the U.S. have really been on the cutting edge of that science for a long time. And I don't know why we need to bow to the World Health Organization. I, I think we're doing the right thing by sticking up for the research we do and our scientists and, you know, finding a way to make it work in this country. I think you're most certainly right. Right. It's all about having that conversation with people because even today I still get conversations with people who think that there are antibiotics still in their meat and it's like, no, like there's a rule that no meat can be, you know, sold at a grocery store with antibiotic traceability in it. So it's just about having that conversation and, you know, keeping up on our own educational and scientific research and just to make sure that we are producing and selling a safe product on the market. Absolutely. That's what it is all about. And, and actually, Hannah, I've got a question for you. You're up there in northeast Iowa. How far are you from uh, northeast Iowa Community College um, at Calmer? Calmer. I, so I'm personally about 40 minutes away from that. But uh, yeah, just, I mean, from my home, I'm 40, 40 minutes away. What's going on up there? Well, President Trump was up there this morning. Actually, he was in uh, Piasta. Oh, you are kidding me. 
I am not. You you didn't see any uh, motorcades driving by or no. anything like that? Well, I, I'll be honest, Mike. I was moving into my apartment for student teaching this morning, so I was up super early and down towards LaPorte City going to, you know, get my stuff all moved in. I've kind of been in my own little world down there, so... Well, you'll have to keep your eye open. I don't know if he's still up in that area. I think he was actually heading to look at a, uh, I don't know, hmm. steel plant somewhere. But I guess actually Piazza, that's farther away that, than, yeah, than Calmer. Calmer. Yeah, that's over only by Dubuque. 40. Piazza is probably like two plus hours. So Yeah. I saw Northeast Iowa Community College and was like, oh, my gosh, she's right there in Hannah's backyard. But OK, so I, I just I asked that because I do know President Trump is in the Midwest. He's working on continuing to sell the aid package to encourage farmers that, hey, you know, he's got your backs. He's also touring this steel facility, trying to, uh, you know, find the good news in his steel and aluminum tariffs. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see how both sides, the Republicans and the Democrats, are politicizing all of these issues. And it's really, it's interesting to watch. Oh, for sure. But I mean, that's politics for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you have uh, Do you have any other ag news for us today? The last one I have for you, Mike, is the EPA announced to the public that it has approved the renewable fuel standard pathway for sorghum oil to be used as a feedstock. So it's just another way to get another grain in there and get it producing some renewable fuel. So. Absolutely. And I've got some more EPA type news for us. President Trump did say while he was in Piasta today that he is, quote, very, very close to securing a 12 month waiver for the use of E15 year round. So we get more ethanol out into the uh, consumers gas tanks that way. Well, hey, look at that. I like the sound of that. Absolutely. If that wraps up the news, what do you say? Should we jump into the markets? I say let's get into them. What do the markets look like today, Mike? Well, I will tell you, but first I've got to tell our listeners that our markets are brought to us by our friends at Zaner Group in Chicago. If you want help marketing and managing your risk on the farm, give the folks at Zaner a shout. You can reach them at 312-277-0050 or visit them on the web at Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. Well, as we take a look at the markets, we've pulled down quite a bit from the highs, up big in the overnight, kind of saw the enthusiasm cool throughout the day across all commodity markets. However, corn still closed in the green. September contract up two and a quarter cents at 361 and a half. December up two and a half cents to finish at 375 and three quarters. Soybeans in the August contract was up half a cent at 861 and a quarter. November new crop up a quarter penny on the day to finish at 876 even. And in Chicago wheat, the September contract pulled back after yesterday's incredible rally, closed down six and a quarter cents at 536 and a half. December down five and a quarter to finish at 556 and a half. Jumping over to the world of livestock, big swing today in prices in live cattle. The August contract closed down a dollar oh seven fifty at one oh seven ninety five. The October down a dollar forty to close at one oh nine thirty seven fifty. 
In feeder cattle, the August contract down a dollar forty today, finished at one fifty one forty two fifty. September down a dollar forty two and a half to close at one fifty one eighty two fifty. And in lean hogs, the August contract down a dollar fifty on the day at sixty four ninety. The October down a dollar sixty seven fifty, finished the day at fifty two twenty five. And in the dairy sector, taking a look at Class Three milk, the July contract down four cents at fourteen fourteen. The August down seven to close the day at fourteen. Before we jump into our conversation with Undersecretary Bill Northey at the USDA, let's get a word from our friends at Latham High Tech Seeds. With us again this week is Phil Long, the agronomic specialist at Latham High Tech Seeds. And Latham has folks with boots on the ground throughout the growing season, keeping track of what's going on in the crops and in the fields. And Phil, you've been out. What have you seen? What's jumping out at you this year? Yeah, it seems like there's not a lot of things overtaking crops yet, but we're right at that point where it's getting to the point, you know, we want to be considered a fungicide if that's the case. And one one disease that's been jumping out, it's a really distinctive one for those that have seen it, it's called Physoderma brown spot. Uh, it shows up as a kind of a purple or kind of chocolate colored brown spots right in the midriff of the leaf and even can show up on the stalk of the plant, uh, on the corn plant. So it's, it's a very diagnostic disease. Uh, a fungal disease that can be treated with a with a fungicide around our one time period. You just got to check and make sure that those labels are are labeled for physoderma brown spot. Make sure that you're you're diagnosing the disease correctly. It can be misdiagnosed. Uh, southern rust as well as eye spot can kind of look similar in terms of of leaf symptoms. Um, but 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 a fungicide and some good rotation and even maybe some tillage might be necessary to help help with control. All right, folks, keep all that in mind. And always remember, Latham High Tech Seeds has expertise across the Midwest. And to put that to work on your farm, give them a shout at 877-GO-LATHAM or visit the website at LathamSeeds.com. Well, folks, today we're very excited. We are talking to our good friend, Bill Nordy, the Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation up there at the USDA. Bill, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Well, great to be with you, Mike. Now, the big topic, of course, on everybody's mind today is the newly announced $12 billion aid package being made available by this administration to farmers. So we want to pick your brain a little bit, Bill. Give us an update. What does that package look like? How is that $12 billion going to be spent? Well, as we looked at uh, those commodities that are impacted, those producers out there that are producing commodities that are impacted, you you see several different pools. Uh, and so we created three different ways of being able to uh, to help farmers in a short-term effort through this through this challenging time. So, so one piece is, is what we call the market facilitation program. That is a program that will be offered through farm service agency offices. So those uh, county service centers out there, F, uh, USDA service centers that folks are familiar with for some of the farm programs. Um, and that will be a payment uh, to producers based on um, the amount of loss uh, that the markets are feeling because of these actions by uh, some of the other countries and in, in tariffs and other trade restrictions that they have on our products. For example, soybeans going into uh, to China, 
uh, have a tariff and soybeans going into China is an awful important market for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there'll be a significant impact there. Um, the other products or the other crops um, that are covered are corn, uh, wheat, cotton, dairy, sorghum, uh, and pork. Uh, so those are all products that to one degree or another uh, are expected to have an impact and as we get closer to the start of this program, which would be September 4th, uh, right after Labor Day, uh, we'll, we'll run uh, models to be able to try and determine what the, what the actual impact um, of the trade restrictions by these countries are having on those products. And then we'll, uh, we'll set a rate. Uh, producers will provide their production uh, or in the case of pork, it would be an inventory of, of how many pigs that they have on hand. And dairy, it will be the amount of production based off of uh, um, off of probably a historical basis, uh, maybe around uh, somewhat in relation to the MPP production levels that were uh, were used for the MPP program. We're having some of those details uh, come together, uh, but it'll be a production. Uh, number or an inventory number uh, times a price that will will be determined. uh, And as we get closer, we'll uh, share some of those details. But that will all be run through our our local FSA offices. So that's that market facilitation program. We'll also have a food purchase and distribution program, uh, which will buy some commodities that are in surplus uh, because of those restrictions that they're feeling in trade overseas. Uh, those commodities need to be able to uh, to be moved into food banks or other nutrition programs. So in that case, we're talking about uh, dairy products, uh, beef, pork, uh, some of the commodities uh, that are specialty commodities like like uh, legumes and rices, rice and nuts and fruits. Um, that list hasn't been completed as well. We'll uh, we'll see what the uh, situation is about a month from now uh, as we get ready for that time. And then that program will probably uh, go on through much of next year um, as we look at those surpluses and what trade actions others do. And it takes a little while to make those purchases and, and move the products. So that's and the that second one would piece. Just- that one would kind of be just periodic purchases based on what USDA feels like is needed at the time. Is that kind of how you foresee it going? That's exactly right, Mike. You bet. Um, the third piece is a trade promotion program. So similar to some of the other trade promotion programs, but would have its own uniquenesses. Again, not all the details have been set yet, but but looking at kind of looking past this this short term challenging situation we're in. Uh, back to the time when we'll we'll be able to have um, uh, our markets back opened up again, and that effort to be able to build those relationships that will create more opportunities for trade in the future. So, uh, be it may be in the form of of uh, visits from U.S. producers to foreign countries. It may be bringing folks over to see some of our uh, products here as well. It may be offices or other kinds of actions overseas that that allow uh, potential customers in existing markets or other markets to be able to understand the benefits of buying U.S. products. And so that is the third piece, that trade promotion program uh, 
trying to look for uh, new and expanding export markets. Now, Bill, I've got to ask you, coming back to that market facilitation program, that would be pretty much directly in your wheelhouse there at FPAC. Is that right? It is, yes. It would be delivered through uh, the the Farm Service Agency. So that is uh, our folks in the uh, 2,124 offices across the country uh, that would be delivering that. So we need to – we're in the process of developing the rules, getting approvals in other parts of uh, government as well. Bill, looking at that aspect that will be delivered through the FSA offices, is there anything today that producers need to be sure and diligent about retaining when we're thinking of records of sales? What should we have in our minds as we get towards that September 4th rollout date? Well, we're going to try and make this as simple as we can and straightforward. We are looking for – uh, the production uh, that that producers will have in 2018 uh, for those crops, and in most cases, our producers need to be able to have that production um, that they will record when they uh, uh, share their actual production history with crop insurance, and so that information would be available. Again, we're still developing the pieces that would actually share that. We're talking about 2018 production, so if they have crop they're selling now, that wouldn't need, they don't need to necessarily keep any records on 2017 production that they're still carrying through. Um, and, and typically, we're going to be able to use information that's very easy for the producer uh, to be able to provide, including information that they're already providing USDA in another way. Uh, so that we're able to make this as simple a process uh, for them to sign up as possible and certainly as straightforward to be able to share what their information is on their production. And, Bill, I think that was an important clarification you made there. This is applying to 2018 production, so any old crop corn that's been sold throughout this summer, any old crop beans, if growers have it, does not qualify. Yes, we we know that, that – there has been an impact uh, on trade, um, but this is going to look at 2018 production. It's certainly easier to be straightforward with that. We're, we're not asking producers to uh, necessarily hold their 2018. They don't need to be able to provide a beneficial interest. In fact, obviously, in the case of wheat, we have some wheat that's getting harvested right now that's being sold. Um, uh, they they know what their production is this year. They probably recorded it for crop insurance, or or they will when they're done with harvest. That's going to be the information that we're going to be looking to have. We don't need um, actual sales records uh, unless there's uh, some kind of spot check afterwards because there's a concern about numbers, and uh, that's always possible with crop insurance as well. So most producers keep that information around um, as well for for that situation. So we're not looking for anything unusual. Again, some of those rules are still coming together, uh, but it's going to be as straightforward and easy for producers as, as we can make it. Now, I know we can't keep you too much longer, Bill, but final question. Of course, whenever we're talking money and government payments, the next question is, when will we get the money? And I know it's still kind of in the the decision-making stages, but what do you anticipate to be the date or the timeline growers could look at for payments under this market facilitation program? Well, it may vary a little bit by commodity here. So so if you are done with wheat harvest in those areas where wheat production um, is, then, then we would already know what total production is. You set a rate 
uh, and we're probably able to uh, to go ahead and move payments very quickly. In the areas where we're talking about corn and soybean harvest that needs to happen, or in other areas in the south where cotton harvest still needs to happen, um, it'll take a little while for us to know what total production for 2018 is. Uh, so we'll need that number uh, to be able to uh, to know what to multiply that rate by uh, to to be able to cut a check. But for those that we're able to get the information for, um, probably our dairy and our and our pork, uh, our wheat, uh, as as an earlier harvest, uh, we're interested in being able to get the checks to producers as soon as we can. Uh, again. Some of those pieces are still coming together, but there will be some difference from commodity. Well, Undersecretary Bill Nordy, thanks for taking the time to talk to us and for filling us in here on this program that is still in its infancy, it seems. You bet. It is still coming along, but uh, I think it's important to, to recognize that that we are in a challenging time for our producers. Uh, we want to get back to that time when we have an opportunity for uh, open trade. Uh, we know our U.S. producers would rather have trade uh, than any kind of a support program, but uh, we have producers that are suffering because of the trade actions of of uh, some of these countries uh, that have, have stopped our products going into or certainly made it more expensive for some of our products to be able to land to customers in their countries. And it's important to be able to step in and and help producers that are feeling the brunt um, of some of these trade actions. At the end of the day, uh, we're all hopeful that uh, before we get very far along here, uh, that we could have some change in momentum, uh, that uh, uh, folks could see clear to to drop uh, the tariffs that's restricting these products going overseas, and we could return back to a situation where if there are payments, they could be much smaller because the impact would be much smaller. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue to evaluate that impact on producers, and we want to make sure that, uh, that we follow through on those promises from the president and the secretary that uh, has the back of ag producers uh, as they're feeling the, the brunt of some of the trade actions uh, by uh, these other countries. Thank you, Bill, for that update in D.C. And, Mike, you know, it's always great to hear from Bill Northey. You know, he makes Iowa proud, and he's, you know, very knowledgeable on what's going on in D.C. He's the perfect guy for the job. What do you think? You know, I, I absolutely agree. What I like that Bill brings to that role specifically, it's a new role, and it's designed to be the face between the USDA bureaucracy in D.C. and then, of course, the farmers on the ground. And my interactions with Bill Northy, he's always shown an incredible amount of care for people, and I think he's going to bring that into that role, and that should help help it work well for uh, farmers out in the countryside. I think you're most certainly right. Well, Mike, if our listeners want to get a hold of our past podcasts or want to learn more about us, where can they go for more information? They should, of course, give us any story suggestions or thoughts on the podcast on our social media. Just search Facebook and Twitter for Ag News Daily. We'll be there. Or visit us on the web at agnewsdaily.com, and you can listen to all of our past podcasts. With that, Hannah, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.